Marketing Movement by Refine Labs. Welcome to another episode of the Marketing Movement. I am Sylvia Valencia. I am a director of the Mangen here at Refine Labs. And today with me, I have Christy Sadler. She is the CRO at Synapse. And um, we're going to talk today about marketing and sales alignment, um, career pathing from marketing to sales, and a few other things. But Christy, welcome. And um, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a bit about your story? For sure. Thanks for having me, Sylvia. I really appreciate it. Um, so as Sylvia said, Christy Sadler, I'm the chief revenue officer at a company called Synapse. We're a learning operations platform. And so, you know, I typically for most of my career was more on the marketing side, uh, but have taken over as a, a chief revenue officer for the last couple um, of years of uh, at Synapse. Um, I would say that probably my, my path over to the sales side isn't typical, but I have had revenue, I'd say revenue teams because I've had business development reporting into me for mm -hmm. um, probably, aside from one company, one tech company that I worked for in the last um, 10 years, I've always had I've always had business development reporting into me. And I think it's super important uh, for alignment across the revenue function um, to have uh, business development reporting um, into into marketing and into whatever revenue leader in general, in general obviously ends up leading the team. Um, I, I think it probably could work either way, but um, yeah. It's just been been my experience that that's, uh, you know, it, it's really helped make sure that there is a nice smooth handoff and that things are op optimized on both sides of the funnel. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think it's it's really great that you had this team reporting into you for, you know, the last like several years, because I think it's something that not all companies have embraced just yet. You know, uh, sales traditionally has that sales development, even business development, if they're doing like outbound or something and then account executives. Uh, but yeah, for sure. I think we're seeing that movement now of marketing leaders in general starting to oversee at least the first part of the buying process so that it's closely aligned with what's going on in marketing. And like you said, I think that's a it's it's something that can teach you a lot on both teams and enable, you know, uh, like it just cross learnings uh, pretty fast. Um, so that's awesome that you saw that. And um, what made you want to become a chief revenue officer? Well, I have to say, like, I, I don't know that there was one thing that made me want to also lead the, the sales part of the organization. I think like maybe 10 years ago, I remember asking a CRO that I had worked with, you know, really what it takes to go down that path. And this person said at that time, it's like, oh, Christy, that's going to take you years. You're going to have to go back. You're going to have to be in a sales role for five years. And, um, yeah. you know, there is it. it, it it sort of quashed my, I think, uh, drive to go and do it, even though I had always wanted to go back and and, uh, and actually take on a sales roles and, and, and have actually 
contemplated that from time to time. Um, and then funny enough, when I joined Synapse and, and Synapse was the smallest company that I had worked for. So started uh, at the ground up, probably one of the first five employees, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had the opportunity to jump into a sales role. We lost our, our VP of sales and we had generated, we were generating too much demand for one seller to keep up with, which was our CEO at the time. So I jumped in and started selling, right? I knew how to demo the product. I was very familiar with it. And you're a small team when it's a very small startup, everybody does whatever you need to do to keep moving the business forward. So yeah, Yeah. so I jumped in and and sold for three months. And and that wasn't the only reason that I ended up taking over um, uh, the entire revenue function either. It was also that I was running the metrics. So mm-hmm. in small teams, somebody has to be running the metrics. And that has always been um, a strength of mine is really looking at all of those conversion rates and funnel metrics and de- like diving through the operational uh, data. I had yeah. set up Salesforce, et cetera. And it, it was a natural progression. So as soon as the CEO was getting a little overwhelmed with all of the other work that he had on his plate, he said, Christy, like, you know, you should, it makes sense for you to take over the revenue organization. Um, and, you know, I was really lucky with the the people that I had on the team as well. We're, we're quite strong. So it made the transition, uh, transition very smooth into the role. So it was, uh, it was great. Yeah, that's a... It's a, it's a great story for sure. And I'm assuming like if you take over an early revenue organization, you can perhaps apply some of the learnings that you had before, at, like, you know, having two different organiz- or departments oversee marketing and sales, because, you know, even if before uh, there was like uh, the the sales development team was reporting into you, there was still, you know, the 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 later part of that process that was still, you know, reporting into another department. So I'm assuming that you took um, it, it's it must be really nice, uh, uh, like a, a really nice, clean slate to start from and to build a truly, I think, aligned team that is going for the same goal together right not as different teams yeah absolutely and i think like right now um not even i think i know right now more than uh any time that i've seen in you know my past 20 years in um uh leading revenue functions uh it is it's complicated and the buyer is not going through any sort of a straight path and they don't want to talk to people. They don't want to talk to sales reps until they absolutely have to. So Mm -hmm. there is, um, it needs to be so much of a buyer focused journey. So, uh, if you're in marketing, if you're in business development, if you're in sales, your job is to be helping move that person towards solving whatever problem it is that they're they're trying to solve and helping them understand how your solution may or may not do it right so disqualify them as as quickly as you might be able to qualify them Um, but that's what makes uh, some of the attribution models very very dated now right is because sales is always helping marketing marketing is always helping sales right like everybody is really just doing everything that they can to help make sure that um 
you know, if, if that is the right buyer, if it's the right solution that we have for that particular customer, um, that we're helping them and, you know, helping them understand, helping them get internal buy-in, um, whatever the case may be, and just, just bringing them along that journey together. We're, we're a team. Yeah, and for sure. With customer success as well, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's a key part. I think you touched upon attribution and I think we can, you know, carry out that that bit of that conversation because it's a hot topic in general. Mm-hmm. Are these marketing leads or are these sales leads or is this deal uh like outbound or inbound? Um and of course, I think a lot of that stems from strategy and compensation of teams and how they're structured just from the beginning. If you are a salesperson and you're compensated more, if you bring in a certain kind of source deals, uh, then of course we're going to have those arguments and those discussions. But I think something that uh, has been really insightful for me at least is I've spent so much time in the past looking at leads and looking at opportunities and going through every activity to make sure is this marketing or is this sales? But what I think we're missing in that process that some companies are now moving to is that the source of the lead, like, you know, there's the simplifying, there's, there's steps to simplify it that would make it easier on everybody and waste less time. But what's important here that we miss is, hey, what, what kind of mix of activities and interactions is working to move these buyers along the process, even if it was some inbound and some outbound, um, like, what can we do more of that worked this time? What level of, you said it before, a buyer doesn't want to talk to you until they truly have to. So what does it take for us to, you know, have those conversations when the timing is right, but also educate them before. And I think getting stuck on whose deal is this makes us overlook the most important part of what we're here for, which is understanding that journey. Yeah. And it just feels like the, the wrong thing to be focusing on. Right. And, and sales and marketing should be more of a, more of a dance, um, mm-hmm. than it is a, a fight. Right. So it shouldn't be, was it me or was it you? It should be, you know, uh, who, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In the first place, because both were involved. There's no way that sales is closing a deal and marketing hasn't helped them do that. If there is a website. Yeah. <laughs> if there is a brand. Yeah. Right. Same thing on the sales side, right? Like it's or on the marketing side. It's like most of the time stuff comes in and yeah, it might have been an initial uh, interaction with maybe somebody at an event or maybe it was a paid ad or whatnot. But if sales and marketing is truly working effectively together, some of that messaging in the ad maybe came from some conversations that marketing teams listened to uh, from their sales colleagues. Um, maybe sales helped to build some of the collateral that's being used within um, the funnel. I mean, that's ideally how it works, right? So sales is helping marketing, marketing is helping sales and together they're bringing the buyer through the journey. Yeah, for sure. I really like how you summarized it at the beginning. It's not a fight, it's a dance. And we need to be, I think, in sync enough to make sure that we're focusing on the right 
things and not wasting so much time because it is a lot of time. Like when you start digging into attribution, I call it like a bit of a black hole because once you get in, you can't get out. You know, it's yeah. it's it's really <laughs> difficult. Um, so I think like going back to your experience, it's really awesome that you had this opportunity to set it up from the ground up and say, hey, marketing and sales, we are the same team and we have the same goal. Um, so do you is the goal in in your case um, for marketing and sales is that revenue or how do you measure success today yeah so overall success is definitely revenue um and i would say like one of the ways that we in particular um work towards making sure the team is 100 percent aligned is that like our our weekly um, revenue meeting or sales meeting is a team meeting. It's a revenue meeting, right? And everybody knows, um, you know, where challenges are, where people are mm -hmm. succeeding and information gets passed on and talked about so that everybody progresses. Um, on the sales side, obviously, you know, it's sales revenue is, uh, revenue is what salespeople need to bring in. Um, on yep. the marketing side, uh, the, 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 the real metric on the marketing side is pipeline generation, qualified pipeline generation. Um, but mm -hmm. we know that, um, you know, uh, marketing is helping post pipeline and sales is helping pre pre pipeline as well. Right. So because yeah. we're having those interactions where, where both groups are helping one another. Absolutely. And I think having that alignment and having that involvement of marketing throughout the process, I think brings a lot of visibility into some of the issues that, like you said, we could help with like when someone is price sensitive, um, that is something that can be addressed before they engage with sales. If it does end up, you know, being reflected on the later stages of the funnel, like, hey, we lost it due to budget or something. What could have been done from a marketing perspective, product messaging perspective before to influence that that behavior or that maybe that's not the right buyer for you. So why, you know, how, how to, to work through that on in the first steps of the, of the journey, I think that ownership of the process, I think is something that if you as a marketer know that you, you can, because you can influence someone so much early on that they understand the product understand your value prop are purchase ready and they engage with sales that person can go through the process so much faster and better and like become an advocate than someone that hasn't gone through that um so i i love the fact that you have both of your teams involved in those conversations so that the learnings are for everybody and not just, you know, sales. That's a sales thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, there are so many things and so many ways that um, if you if you don't have that level of communication, that um, just offered those opportunities that you mentioned, they just get missed. Right. Um, mm. 
you know, we know as an early stage startup, you know, one of the things that you're always struggling with is, uh, you know, who's the ideal customer profile, who, um, uh, you know, what do they need to be able to sell across and sell up and those types of things. And it's tough when you're small and you've got multiple people doing multiple things. So, you know, in any way that, um, you know, marketing can provide additional resources or help to sales and sales can provide additional or get resources started or something and and give that to to marketing the better and the one thing that i always think of as well and and this is i mean i'm sure you've seen this as well through your career but you know there's always this uh sentiment where when you're trying to figure out what the problems were and somebody will come up with this great idea and say oh it'll be great if um marketing could do this or it would be great if sales could do that and one of the things that we try and do when we're going through any sort of a brainstorming exercise is if you're going to come up with ideas the ideas have to be something that you can implement right they're not something that somebody else can implement yeah. and i think that that's that's something that helps make people um it gets rid of that blame sort of a, you know, if marketing had just done this or if sales had mm-hmm. just followed up with that lead, right? So it's like, what can I do? Oh, do you know what? I can help sales see the leads that they might be missing. Um, I might be able to help marketing create this asset. Let me flesh it out and then just ask for help um, at that at that stage. And then also assessing like, you know, if you take on any of these initiatives that are going to help your buyer through the journey, um, is it just one buyer? Is this being suggested because there was this one deal and it was just this one time that it happened? Or is this mm-hmm. something that will have impact on every single deal moving forward? So it's an initiative that should be prioritized and uh, should be worked on by multiple people. Yeah, for sure. I love that idea. I think that that getting rid of the fact that we are different teams, but rather we are one team working together towards the same goal really aligns with that. I come up with an idea of how I can help you versus I come up with ideas of how you can help me. And I think that flips it around uh, so much because we it's it's funny how as marketers we've always known that our success really is if sales is successful we are successful and vice versa if marketing is successful sales can also be very successful so um it's still you know strange that there is so much of this um like like divide and conquer mindset when it really is not that at all yeah and one of the things too and i don't know if i've mentioned this enough but it's like customer success plays such an important role of that in that as well right and Mm -hmm. getting that like post-sale feedback feeding that back into marketing messaging feeding that back into sales and making sure that it's like you know a complete cycle um i think even even in in previous companies that I've worked uh, with, where sales and alignment has been great, and I've been super lucky at most of the organizations I've worked I've worked in um, along that, those lines, um, but we I've never been as close with uh, customer success as we are at Synapse. Synapse, like it's really um, ingrained that. You know, we're actually starting to do on some of the the larger um, 
uh, deals that we're, we're talking to, we're including everybody up front, right? So it's mm-hmm. like the, more of the pod structure where customer success is really helping sales as well um, during yeah. those initial calls because they're the ones that have the customer stories that they can pull off the top of their head because it's the, what they live it, they're living every day, right? So it yeah. just is, uh, it, it can be really powerful as well in making sure that there is a, like a unified effort to make sure that we're trying to help those buyers. For sure. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I think that's something that you're right. I don't think it's nearly as, you know, like uh, like as integrated as others. Um, I think as marketers, we're always kind of missing that end of the funnel, end of the process. Like we hand off the lead and, you know, like that's it, like on to the next one, on to the next month of metrics. Um, but there, this story really just that we can then use and, you know, make the most of is just beginning with a customer. I'm curious, is there a specific way that you currently get that feedback from customer success about what's working, what's not working and what sales and marketing can implement? Yeah, well, we're, we got a number of different just automatic triggers that are in place, right? And like I said, our weekly meeting is all revenue teams together, right? So everybody in the um, the revenue organization knows if there's a customer that might churn or if there's a customer who is a champion, we've got a really good, um, a really good sense of who those customers are. Uh, but we also put just some, uh, some processes in place so we can capture some of that information as well in a more programmatic way. Uh, Like when we do do, when we run our MPS surveys, which we do quarterly, there's always, you know, for for people who are who are promoters and who are getting a lot of value from the uh, from the the platform, uh, we ask them if, you know, if they would be willing to give a review or if we we could potentially uh, work with them on a case study. And uh, uh, and it's been quite successful. Um, the other thing that we did that was um, uh, led by uh, a combination of our, our marketing team and the it was our content marketing manager and our head of customer success uh, was just running mini surveys that allowed us to sort of bypass that big heavy lift, which is a, a case study. Yeah. <laughs> So we just asked, you know, several questions that would give us the case study answers. And then as part of that, asked if we could use their comments um, publicly. And from that are able to like put together just these like mini little snippets. It also gives us some aggregate data about the benefits that the customer is having using Synapse um, that we mm-hmm. can turn into numbers when we're talking to prospects and say, you know, essentially 70% of Synapse customers are saving 20 or more hours um, um, per month by using the platform, right? So it just gives us some of that uh, that aggregate data by being able to run some of those programs. That's awesome. And that actually reminds me at one of my uh, previous jobs, I it was also a very small company and we had the issue that all of our customers were very enterprise. And what happens when you have a giant customer like Coca-Cola or something, good luck getting approval for that case study logo use, you know, like it's so challenging, especially as a small vendor, part of a large, you know, stack of partners that they probably have. It's there's so many layers. Um, and what we ended up trying to do and it, we, we got a couple of these through, which was very exciting, was having 
me or someone else in marketing have a small conversation or hear or get some insights about what the customer was getting out of our, our platform, having a small, short conversation with them, asking them some very specific questions, meaning we go into the conversation with some context of what's going on and a little bit more, you know, less introduction needed, although that was still very valuable. And uh, we ended up calling these case studies success stories it was just the the naming thing when you tell them it's a case study or it's a testimonial they're like oh no um but we said it's just a success story it's one page nothing else we put it together and then we sent it for approval and just having that interlock with the customer success manager that was on that account, getting the context from them, building that, you know, close relationship with them and then speaking, marketing, speaking directly to customers. I think that is super valuable because it, the, the, the amount of insights that I got from those conversations, um, even though some questions were scripted is and still is one of like my favorite things to do. Um, you get so many campaign ideas and like, you know, the words that your customers use to describe you and what you help them with. Um, there's a lot of value there. Yeah, it's amazing. I know this is total opposite end of the spectrum. I remember several years ago, one of the organizations that I worked with, um, myself and the head of product ran a voice of the customer program. And we went mm -hmm. into the offices. So head of marketing, head of product, went into like multiple days into the office of uh, several customers. And we would talk to everybody who touched the platform. So not just our primary users, other people who looked at the reports or who heard yeah. Uh, of the platform. And I have to say, like, that helped me even fall in love with the company that I was working for even more, right? Because you, you yeah. as, as a marketer, you're sometimes a little bit removed from it. And the more you can get those, like, frontline stories and hear the impact the platform is having on these customers, the better. It just makes you such a better marketer. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're right. It kind of gives you purpose, right? Like it's, it's not just a tool that we're selling a software that we're selling. We are improving someone's life in a, in a certain way. And that sounds really cheesy, but when you hear it from your customer, Mm -hmm. It like it makes it all a little bit more meaningful. Um, yeah. But absolutely. I love that idea um, of having that, you know, product and marketing interlock and really finding out more. Mm -hmm. um, love that we got into, you know, the full revenue perspective, not just, you know, marketing and sales. Um, I wanted to know, have there been anything in particular that you've implemented, not just at your current role, but even before specific tactics that you found helpful when it comes to finding that marketing and sales alignment, having those goal conversations or when sales doesn't understand what marketing is up to and they want to know more or vice versa? Has there been anything in particular that has been successful for you? Yeah. And this might sound a bit funny because I think that like nobody 
nobody wants more meetings, but there has to be FaceTime, especially in a remote environment between mm-hmm. sales and marketing, right? If the sales and marketing team don't have time together, then there's there can't be alignment. There's, there's going to be a misunderstanding of, you know, sort of... Uh, what what they can do to work together most effectively and even if it's um uh you know um doesn't have to be weekly doesn't have to be bi-weekly i've seen successful you know monthly meetings if it's something that the two teams aren't used to doing together you know sales wants to understand what are the programs that uh, marketing is running that's going to help them with their pipeline or with with whatever they're doing and and those are really great connection points to be able to say this is what this is what we've got planned for the next quarter this is what we've got planned for the next month and these are the up- updates that you can expect um uh, from us that you know um, should should help you be able to to uh, you know piggyback your activities off of the back of those campaigns, and mm-hmm. uh, and gives sales the opportunity too to say you know what I loved all of the leads that you sent in last month from LinkedIn or whatnot like gives them the opportunity as well to you know highlight things that they're finding successful. One of the other things too is and. Uh, you know, in terms of making sure that that um, information is being properly passed back and forth. And I think, you know, now that the ways there's so many different ways to communicate. Right. So maybe yeah. it's not necessarily a meeting, but some of the, the programs that marketing runs um, can be really helped by feedback from from the sales organization right like think of things like even google ads or keyword um sort of trends and stuff like that 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 might be coming up in calls and maybe marketing isn't having the opportunity to listen to as many calls as they might want to or isn't having the opportunity to have talk to customers in the same way as sales does and sales can provide that feedback so as long as there's like an openness and a really good relationship uh, between the two functions, uh, they can collaborate on that, on, on those types of things. It's when you don't have that sort of trust and, and um, sort of feelings of, of respect for one another, that collaboration is difficult. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I think that's, um, those are, those are really good pointers. I think having that, that, that baseline of trust makes for good uh, alignment and but getting there i think is challenging for a lot of teams and a lot of organizations um i was gonna mention i think something that is um very important um that has worked before for me is really driving home what what why we're doing certain things for so we are here to provide you with pipeline, not a high volume of daily leads and reinstating that message because obviously, you know, as like salespeople, you want to see a lot of volume come in, but we also know that volume does not mean quality and that like the, the, the leads and the, you know, the, the prospects that are high intent, high purchase intent that come through that end up becoming customers are obviously the more time consuming prospects to generate from a marketing perspective. So I think always kind of reemphasizing that goal of like, cause you know, up until very recently, I've, 
had questions like, hey, but leads are down. Uh, you know, like today, what's happening with leads today? Um, and you got to like recenter the conversation on what we're here for is pipeline. Last month, we provided less leads and more pipeline, which means the quality of prospects increased. And that's what we're here to do. Right. So um, I think that's um, also something that is often overlooked because it feels like everybody knows, but um, especially in the volume conversations, I think that helps. It's interesting too, because there's uh, sometimes where there's a disconnect is, you know, a, a lack of understanding of the importance of all sorts of dif different dimensions of, of leads mm. and demand that's being generated. So yes, you know, maybe we did bring in 2000 uh, leads or contacts or some, you know, interested parties downloaders of content, a combination of downloaders of content and high intent leads. Um, and to say like, all we want is the high intent leads uh, or, you know, that that one is better than another one. One is going to turn into revenue faster than another. But especially if you are an earlier stage startup or a startup who is uh, trying to create a category, you need a lot of brand recognition. You need a lot of people understanding who you are and what you do. And sometimes the best way to do that is through content marketing. And when people are downloading those assets, they might not have high intent and they might not purchase for three years, but it's still important that they get to know us, right? They get yeah. to understand the brand that there's a level of familiarity and that there's different levels of people in the organization that are familiar with who you are right so it's super hard for uh, say a startup to with a new product to go to market and you've got a really engaged buyer and they really understand the value of what the salesperson is presenting and there's lots of great material and then they go to t their internal departments to say you know what this is going to have such a huge impact for us and nobody else has heard nobody else has heard of this company nobody else has any idea what they do or um you know wh why we should spend Fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars on a solution to a problem that we're barely aware of, right? So it's yeah. it's uh, doing some of that marketing that might seem like you know this isn't the uh, this isn't the uh, the exact person that I want to talk to. No, but this might be the person that's influencing your deal. Uh, if you know next year, two years from now. It's interesting. I was in a conversation the other day and they were talking about uh, buying committees. And there was one person who said that they had a buying committee with 130 people on it, right? Wow. They could only identify like 10 or 15 of them, but they knew there were 130 people that essentially were giving sign off on that deal, right? So, uh, you know, when you're talking about sort of the dimensions of leads or, you know, all of these, um, uh, this volume coming in, you have to have an understanding of what that volume is about. And of course you don't want, you know, companies that could never buy from you or whatnot, but there is a lot of value in uh, brand exposure in addition to getting those um sort of high intent hand raisers in the door right of course yeah the 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 that purchase readiness does not come through like direct response channels like google alone right, right. like if you are always running ads for 
you know, best X software. Um, don't expect that that volume that you're getting from Google is going to magically increase month over month because that really is not all it takes to create. Like that is capturing people that are ready to purchase, but not those that are not. And that is the biggest chunk of the pie, which is very exciting, but also You know, when I look back at my career, I think so many of my roles have been so focused on those leads, volume, leads, leads, you know, and we have run a lot of direct response, fill out the form as fast as you can um, and really overlooked that 99% of the people that could buy from us are just not there yet. And how do we stay top of mind and add value um, throughout that process so that again when they do come in they're more qualified that sales process is easier smoother i think it's such a simple logical concept but it's hard to hard to attach to to certain metrics and i think what you said really resonates with the fact that not every marketing activity is a revenue generating activity. Marketing's goal is revenue, but that doesn't mean that all of your activities need to directly bring revenue, meaning your marketing attribution software is gonna tell you that your community or that your podcast or that your organic feeds have no revenue value. But at the end of the day, you know that that is a, a significant part of what's building kind of that that interest for your product mm -hmm. um so i think you you said it really well um you said it really well there so um i'm i'm very hopeful that now that you know more companies are starting to understand hey buyers are buying differently they don't just want you know a, a, a demo form first time they see your brand is like get a demo like that's not what when was the last time like you know like that that worked on you right so yeah. um it's it's very it's a very interesting uh, progress here yeah for sure for sure awesome and now um I wanted to ask you some career or skill driven questions because I think a lot of us in marketing, um, for example, I my first ever role was in sales. Mm -hmm. I did not know that it was a sales job until I was at the job the first day. And I was like, what? I have to sell? Um, <laughs> I don't know how I got through the interview process, but um, that job taught me how difficult it is to generate and convert demand on the spot because I was cold calling. It was very outbound mm -hmm. and um, Now, you know, I, I like eventually I moved into marketing and I started doing marketing. But now for today's, you know, current marketers that are in either demand or product marketing or whatever content marketing that are looking at that CRO or that revenue organization as a potential career path. What are some of the skills or activities that someone can do today in any marketing role that you think would contribute to that path? Yeah, and I think if it's if it's CRO or even CMO, if you're a more junior marketer and looking to move up, the best thing you can do is really dig into data. 
understand data, understand the metrics and know it for the full funnel, right? So understand, you know, if you're, if you're a marketer, know what happens in the sales cycle after the, the lead gets handed over and after that opportunity is created, just get curious, have a really good understanding of where the metrics sit after that and get a full picture of how those two teams work together and how they can help one another. I would say like the more the more marketers are encouraged and enable themselves and teach themselves to be sales focused, the better. And it goes both ways. Salespeople mm-hmm. on the on the other side as well, because people don't don't really want to talk to them anymore. The more that they can be very clear and compelling in their message and honest and and have empathy with the buyer, the better. Right. So yeah. I think, you know, both teams can lo- really learn well from one another. Um, but in, in order to get into a role where you are running a full the full funnel you have to have a really good understanding of the metrics the unit economics um and and all of the underlying data that sits underneath because that's how you that's how you can figure out which levers to pull right and if you're in SaaS in particular the appetite is always going to be to how do we create uh, a scalable um repeatable scalable process mm-hmm. right and you you could only do that if you're super familiar with the data right yeah. so yeah oh we put more money in here oh xyz is going to increase or decrease by xyz percent you look and evaluate is what happening you know what you think thought happened is it happening if it's not what do you need to change how much time does it take have you looked at the cohorts how much time does it take for these particular people uh to do what we expect them to do and uh you know how can we go about really uh, making sure that there is um uh, structure and process. And yeah. that's also to say you have to have creativity and all of that sort of stuff around the outside, but data yeah. is so telling, right? So, yeah. so understanding data and having like a really uh, strong curiosity around trying to play with that data and see if you can find any sort of gaps and anomalies and, and those sorts of things. I mean, that's half of the fun of the job as well. Yeah, absolutely. You can't be a sales driven marketer and be afraid of the numbers or, you know, committing to, you know, revenue goals and uh, having that as a friend and not again, something that you're fighting against. Um, Yeah, I think that's super, super valuable. Um, I was going to say that It's important for marketers to also, like you said, have a good understanding of the sales process. I am still very surprised that marketing people don't know what the opportunity stages mean Mm -hmm. and what that means for sales, right? So we see an opportunity and we're like, oh my God, that's an opportunity. But really is that entering pipeline forecasting conversations or is it not? And having that, you know, that level of awareness of at least that until that customer comes through that process, understanding it really well, I think enables, uh, can enable a lot of people to, you know, start going down that path if that's what they want to do. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that even comes to just like empathy, right? Empathy for the other, the other role, both sides, right? So sales, uh, sales, having empathy for marketing, marketing, having empathy for sales and both understanding sort of what the process is on either side. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Well, I am very glad that we got to chat through all of this. I know that the marketing and sales dance is a dance that is going to go on for a long time. And we still have to figure out what kind of dance we're dancing, I think, because everybody's kind of doing their own thing. But um, thank you so much for uh, chatting with me today. Um, And thank you to everybody that listened. Stay tuned uh, for our next episode. Thanks so much, Sylvia. Happy to be here.